Every one of us in this room, we've got dreams, things with all our heart we'd really like to do. But I promise you the only way to get there is to make today count. Start and be faithful in the small things. Welcome back to There Is Always A Way podcast with Dr. Jay Strack. And today's guest is the executive director of the UK-USA Ministries. His name is Mike Taylor. Mike's passion is helping students see the call of God in their life for the gospel. And he has been an innovator in student ministry for over 30 years. Throughout his ministry, he has used his spiritual gifts to preach and teach students through his personal mission statement. We exist to reach unbelieving and uncommitted students, to grow and deepen them in their faith, and send them out to impact their world for Jesus Christ. Mike's ability to lead has given him the reputation as one of the top youth pastors in the world, and he has served as the president of the Metro Youth Pastors Association on two occasions. There's always a way with Mike Taylor. Now here's our host, Dr. Strack. Well, welcome once again to There's Always a Way podcast, and we have a special guest today, longtime friend, someone that I've admired for a long time, someone who is, we've worked shoulder to shoulder together. Uh, Other times we've blocked and tackled for each other, trying to help each other's vision come true, which is all part of what ministry is about. It's what building meaningful, lasting, positive relationships is about. But especially if you want your life to count, if you can, in in our guest, Mike Taylor, who is one of the most creative approaches to, I believe, paying a spiritual debt back to our mother country, if you will, of the United States. I know we're a melting pot, folks from all over the world, and uh, and we understand that and are grateful for that, but make no mistake about it. We are uh, the, the product of what happened in Great Britain, and there are that's the mother country, and we're the colonies. And Mike, I have believed for a long time we owe a spiritual debt mm. to England. And I look at what you're doing and man, what a practical, what a creative way. So this is Mike Taylor and Mike is the founder of uh, the UK USA Ministries, which is a, again, we're going to delve into it, a creative approach to help fulfill the Great Commission and help the mother country uh, experience revival and, and, and go, you know, they were the great sending all the missionaries mm-hmm. All of the great theologians, all many of the great thinkers, all enriched us, gave birth to us, our ideas, our hopes, our aspirations, and yet they're no longer a sending nation, sending missionaries around the world. They're now receiving missionaries mm-hmm. from other countries. And so this is a profound vision. So we're going to be talking about leadership today with Mike Taylor. We're going to be talking about uh, spiritual responsibility. We're going to talk about the challenges of being involved in this kind of multicultural world uh, and how to fit in, how to help young people navigate it. So I just want you to know, no matter what your what your calling is for your life, you're going to benefit a great deal from our guest, Mike Taylor. Mike, it's so good to see you. It's been a while, and uh, I'm thrilled you're in the mother country, and you've been here for a while now. 
<laughs> yeah, it's great to be with you, Jay, and and thank you for letting me be a part of this today. Well, my pleasure. Now, first of all, I need to ask, where are you? Because I can see it looks like a comfortable office. Uh, yeah. So, where you are. Um, so, but I, the first question I had for you is where in the world are you? And normally yeah. that would have been a very appropriate question because there's no telling what part of the world you would be in normally, but right. uh, because of what we've all been forced to go through and endure, you're back, you're back here in the States. Yeah. I'm in America. Um, actually today I'm in Colorado Springs uh, which is where the Greater Europe Mission Office is and Monument. So it's just up the road from Colorado Springs. I know you've done a lot of chapels before at the Air Force Academy. Um, so I'm, I can literally look out my window and see the stadium, the Air Force Academy right oh, here. So, yeah. Wow. Well, I tell you, you know, Colorado Springs has been uh, a strong, strong uh, incubator, a strong uh, supporters, a strong community of faith. Yep. And uh, it seems like almost every one of our strong areas are kind of being nibbled away at and, mm. you know, challenges go on. But, you yeah. know, Mike, if we're talking about a call to ministry, if we're talking about whether you have a company, whether you have a business, whether you're raising your family, uh, it almost we almost need boot camp on endurance, you know, not only vision and servant mm. leadership and how to build a team. But once you do those basics, and they're, you know, very serious steps, but as you know, but we need to build endurance uh, to help folks be able to kind of survive some of the challenges that are going on around us. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, I agree with that completely. Yeah. Well, you found it and you've, you've lived it. Mike, what's the very first thing? We begin every one of our broadcasts by, with this question. Uh, I love the phrase, uh, there's always a way. That's what our podcast is called, as you know. But Mike, what's the first thing? I, I know your background. I know all the various size ministries you've been a part of for for a while now. I don't want to go into how long exactly, yeah. but uh, you're my father in the ministry. You were my youth pastor. So uh, right. but anyway, but Mike, in all seriousness, with your background and plus now what you're doing in Europe, what you're doing in Great Britain, with your background, what's the first thing that comes to mind when you hear the phrase, there's always a way? Well, I mean, it's almost like another phrase, but it's this, this deep determination to never give up, right? We're, we're not going to stop um, because of difficulty or challenges or whatever. So for me, when I hear that line, it's like, okay, I'm, I'm, I have this deep determination, this endurance or this steel, you know, core that I'm not going to give up. So that's, wow. that's really the first thought that comes to my mind. Well, I love it. And of course, it's very appropriate for the, your English uh, connection now. Uh, Churchill's, you know, one of his, one of 500 amazing, incredible quotes that quotes, we've all yeah. heard from Churchill. I do three sessions just on the quotes of Churchill. So uh, I, I'm, a, I'm a huge fan. I've got probably 40 of his books here, uh, or books written about him here. But that phrase, never, 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 never give up, is, yeah. uh, is it's part of our DNA, and I know it's part of yours. Hmm. When did you, Mike, I want to talk, if I might, first of all, about your call to ministry. You've been a youth pastor at I mean, virtually every size church, 
But then also, Mike, you've been a youth minister at some of the most fruitful, some of the most acclaimed, if we can use that term, uh, you know, people just wanting to learn, how are you doing it? Uh, how did these things happen? What steps, you know, so you've been in some of the largest mega churches, some of the most fruitful situations, some of the most explosive in the right sense of the word, as far as growth and, mm -hmm. and fruit and fellowship and producing young people going into the ministry or wanting their lives to count. So Mike, tell us a little bit about your journey. Yeah. Well, I didn't grow up in, in a Christian home, um, gave my life to Christ on a backpacking trip in uh, Colorado with Young Life. Um, how, my old? First, how old, Mike? I was 16 years old. Um, my dad, I'm a military brat. So, I, you know, my dad was an Air Force pilot, uh, flew B-52s. Um, but so not a lot of spiritual background. So when I came to Christ, 1978, that dates me, right? So I was 16. Um I, I started, I got discipled uh, by a guy named Mike Compton, my, my youth pastor, his pastor, my pastor was H.D. McCarty, who I know you know. Oh, wow. um, and, uh, and so that, that was the first church that began to really invest in me my senior year in high school. Compton and UBC was going to Faith Week, which was exciting Eastwood Baptist Church uh, back in the 70s and the 80s. Uh, they had a thing called Faith Week. And uh, you were preaching. Uh, I don't know if you remember this, but um, you were a young uh, evangelist, uh, communicator. Uh, you were preaching at Faith Week in 1981. I surrendered to ministry uh, wow. June 6th. I remember it like it was yesterday. Man, you know, I, I went forward and said, you know, I actually wrote in my Bible, all of me, not just a part of me, all of me, God you know, I surrender. It was a song we sang at faith week. Um, and you were the, you were the preacher that week. And, uh, so I, you know, uh, committed my life to ministry and really felt a call to youth ministry at the time. Um, and, and literally from that moment, uh, that's really, I've, I did 30 years of youth ministry in America and, you know, moved to England in 2011. So doing youth ministry over there. So that's really the beginning. My, my call to ministry was 1981 faith week. Uh, you weren't a doctor then, but Jay wow. Strack was the preacher, <laughs> man. Well, I, you know, that's back when I preached 30 minutes, you know, uh, <laughs> I don't think I've ever even made announcements that under 30 minutes, much less preach, but I'd tell, I'd, I'd tell everything I knew and made up stuff. I mean, you know, I was, when I was young with my background, I had a background, you know, like yours. I mean, as far as coming to faith late and, you know, later uh, in life, not growing up in church or the youth group. Mm -hmm. Now, Mike, uh, several things I must ask you. Uh, we have many, many uh, youth pastors, as well as many deacons and elders and and pastors, executive pastors that listen to this podcast. And we talk a lot about leadership and we talk about building a winning team. But Mike, I know you've been in some incredible situations, but I also know what it's like because it's happened to me where I've been in situations where, man, I was some places they made me feel like I was 
man, an answer to prayer and we love you. And we're so grateful for how God is. And I go <laughs> some other places and feel like, you know, let's let the adults handle everything. And, and my role was minimized or, or, you know, a lid, if you will, on my ministry. Did you ever experience anything like that in your years uh, as a youth pastor? Yeah. I mean, I, I believe, I believe we've all faced that in, in whatever arena we've been in. Um, I think, I think uh, the pressure um, to, to understand, Hey, God's called me into this and, and have the confidence to walk in that and mm -hmm. not be worried about what, you know, someone might say about you or, or what they might think about you. And so th that lid um, is actually, you know, kind of a man-made thing, right? So, you know, you can't, you can't do this, stay in that arena um, and just trust in, in the call of God in your life and go, yeah, I'm, I'm going to trust you, Lord, and I'm going to honor you and, and not be, not feel the pressure or the, or the, you know, the put back or the put down of, you know, stay in your lane kind of deal, you know. Wow. Well, Mike, you know, a lot of times, and, and I try to share it, and I've heard you in many situations where, some, you know, the Mega Metro group, which are some of the most innovative and, you know, anointed uh, youth ministries, but uh, I've heard you in all kinds of settings. But, you know, I believe if you do youth ministry well, with limited budget, limited, you know, sometimes great volunteers, sometimes folks, you got to spend more time investing in your workers than, than you are able to go out and be with students just to help them be able to deliver the goods and, you know, help multiply the ministry. Yeah. But Mike, you're, you're an executive now. I mean, you're uh, leading a international ministry and now uh, I want you to, in, in a few moments, to tell us about this mobilization for Europe uh, role. Yep. You're wearing several hats. So here you are with the responsibility, a significant responsibility, but you know, it's, you're doing the same thing, but because you did youth ministry well, mm -hmm. you know, and you, you didn't get, you didn't just try to climb the ladder. You didn't just want to jump past it. You said, this is a calling. Yeah, and I right. believe some of our most effective leaders, uh, I don't mean to be self-serving, you know, I spent my life trying to tell young people uh, about uh, the good news and, and how to make great decisions instead of careless mm -hmm. choices. So, but I do believe that promotion comes from above and especially for those that are concerned about the next generation and communicating the good yeah. news effectively no matter the size or what kind of resources we have. Mm, I agree. I think just like you just alluded to there, just being faithful in that call allows, you know, the Lord's favor to rest on you and his, his wisdom, his vision, the things that he does in you, the spirit does in us, you know, bubbles up other vision in us, you know, greater vision beyond maybe even the arena we're in right now. So, yeah, I think just being faithful to the call of God. I remember that call all the way back in 81 you navigate hard places, hard decisions, relationships are hard, people are hard, but the reality is if you hold on to that call and trust the Lord and walk in faithfulness, he's going to continue to guide and lead you and open up new arenas, uh, maybe send you across oceans like he's done with me and uh, whatever, you know, so I think it's just being faithful to that call, so. Well, it helps to choose wisely in your mate, uh, you know, someone that has this a heart. And a, yeah. I mean, you know, otherwise, maybe it's 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 tough. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. 
uh, I, I, we, we both are very grateful for the Lord bringing into our lives, not only completing us, but in many ways enhancing. Diane has abilities and skills and gifts that, that, that I don't have. And because of her, it's allowed me to do what I can do which we're all still trying to figure out exactly what that is. But, uh, and I know it's the same with Cookie. How long have y'all yeah. been married? Uh, I'll be 38 years in June. Man. Well, that's a, that's a biggie. We and by 12. the way, in my family, when I reached the fifth anniversary, it was like the Guinness Book of World Record uh, with my background, you know. So it's I remember your story. Five yeah. years. I, yes, I'm, you've had to hear my story more times than you, than anyone should have to. Mike, uh, when you were studying to be a youth minister, when you were in college and and in your additional advanced studies, Mike, uh, was there a class that was a real eye opener? Was there a, a, a professor? Was there, you know, put yourself uh, with what you know today. What is it you wish maybe somebody had 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 taught you about youth ministry or about mm -hmm. leadership? I mean. Put yourself back, if you would, knowing what you know now, if you could talk to a young Mike Taylor uh, and knowing now what he's going to have to face, what would you, what advice would you give him? Yeah. Well, first of all, um, living under authority is a powerful concept, hmm. you know, and so um, positioning yourself to live under authority. I mean, as a youth pastor, you're definitely not going to be the main decision maker. And so learning to a posture of humility and living under authority, I think is a huge thing. So a tale of three Kings would be a book I would read, oh, wow. um, you know, really important. Um, and then just life on life relational ministry is, is the key to youth ministry. Um, I'm not against events. I think events are important, but if we're not, if we're not, building into our ministries, a culture of relationships, um, then we're, we're really missing it. One of the things we say uh, in our ministry is the gospel moves at the speed of relationships. Um, and so. And that, I love that, that, Mike, the gospel moves at the speed of relationships. Yeah. And I, I think that that really sets the foundation or the, or the, you know, the playing field for us um, in ministry, because, it is, it can, you can draw people to events and you can have big things in your church um, that attract people to that experience. But if there's not a foundation of relationships, then it's just an event. And so I think that the real tension for North America and the North American church is this mindset of come to us, come to us. And that doesn't work in Europe. And that's, that doesn't work in post-Christian England. And so the reality of this, this relational context has to be so woven into the fabric of their ministry um, that, that that's really the only staying power that works in our, and, and, it, and honestly, Jay, I think we now, this is the new normal for America um, overnight. I used to preach to our, any, any American pastor that would listen you know, post-Christian culture is coming, it's coming, it's coming. The churches in England and Europe, by and large, are empty. 
And um, so it's this resurgence or this restoration of the church. Well, in America, we've never really felt that until March of 2020, when overnight coronavirus created an empty church. And so how are we going to move into this new arena? Well, it has to be in relationships. And how do you do that now? So it's, yeah, it's a lot there. I didn't mean to just go off. on. No, that. no, I love it. The, I, that's the secret sauce to uh, reaching young people and reaching yeah. their parents and earning the right to even be able to talk about those kind yeah. of things. Because especially in uh, a, a post-Christian world that we're talking about, mm. uh, you know, it's almost like, well, we, I don't, we're not even comfortable discussing that. So, yeah. you know, it's not like, oh yeah, we're Presbyterian or we're over here, you know, for yeah. still, you know, we've got a lot of residue, but over there, you have to kind of just earn the right to even be in a situation where you can bring up the subject. Yeah. You know, bring so, up the gospel. Yeah. There's I appreciate an, Yeah. There's a real antagonistic mindset over there. We can get to that later, but um, yeah, right. it's interesting. Sure. Well, tell me, so Mike, you have this call to go into the ministry and you surrendered, you answered, you've been incredibly faithful for decades and uh, have always been somebody that was investing in youth pastors and building small churches and doing mission trips. You were a huge help to us at student leadership, helping us launch student leadership. And uh, you were always... Uh, it just meant a lot. So we're very grateful on the leading youth pastors to, to believe in what we were doing like you did. So, Love it. so Mike, uh, you went from being, I think you were now at Long Hollow, which was one of the most dynamic uh, churches and, and just explosive growth, another great, mm. you know, chapter and op opportunity. And yet God was doing something in your heart. Yeah. So you had a call to go into ministry. And then there was a another call yeah. to, uh, to go and was, it seemed pretty specific. I don't want to put words in your mouth about what you were to do or where you, you didn't know how you were going to do it, but you felt yeah. like that's what I'm supposed to do. Is that a fair assessment? Fair assessment. So in 05, when I was at Champion Forest, um, I went to England on my first mission trip, you know, uh, as a mission trip. Um, and I actually wrote in my journal, God, is this a place I'll spend significant time or life in ministry? Um, what because part was, did you go, uh, Mike? I was, in, I was in the northeast of England where we, where we spent the last 10 years. So up in just below Newcastle, Middlesbrough, Stockton-on-Tees, the Tees Valley. Um, and uh, I sat on that call. I, I really felt like the Lord uh, told us to go in 05. And everything I did from that moment until we made the decision to go was to position me closer to going globally without having to go, right? So when you called and said, help us launch SLU missions, uh, I felt like that was a, a step. And so I, I mm -hmm. went and did that for, you know, a couple of years. And then Long Hollow said, you know, we'd be our missions pastor. So I, I went there, um, but I, I was... Uh, very uncomfortable in my spirit. Um, so in, in December of 2010, uh, I called my family together. My oldest son, Thad, was a senior at Liberty. My, young, my oldest daughter was a freshman at Arkansas. I had a senior in high school and a son who was a sixth grader, um, Hayden. And I just said, hey, no one's coming for Christmas. 
It's just going to be us. And we're going to pray about going to England. Um, so we made the decision in December of 2010 as a family wow. to, to go for it. Uh, Thad went back to Liberty. Shelby went to Arkansas. Cookie went to Houston. I went to Nashville with Hayden. And we went to church on January 2nd. Uh, and lo and behold, you were preaching, uh, you know, you were a guest preacher. And I wasn't prepared to resign that day. Um, but I was going to, you know, kind of go through a process. I, at least I thought in my mind, I would go through a process um, of sharing that with the staff and, and begin the move to the UK. And you, you were preaching. I was in the eight o'clock service and you used this line, you know, the doors of opportunity swing on the smallest hinges of obedience. And I was like, okay, God, I don't need another clue here. I'm, you know, I'm going, we're going to go for this, you know, step out in obedience. And so I called the executive pastor, a good friend of mine and just said, Hey, can we meet? And uh, yeah, I resigned on the spot January 2nd, 2011, which was 10 years ago this month. And, uh, and we launched UK USA ministries and kind of out of nothing, um, and it's been the wildest ride of my life, um, but been a huge blessing all the same. So, yeah, wow. that's how we that's how we did it. Well, we talk about a, 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 a faith journey, talk about answering a call. And, you know, Paul had to wrestle with that. He would be places and things were happening and fruitful and he'd get a vision, a call, you know, the great illustration, the Macedonian yeah, call. But there were several times he wanted to go be with this group or that group, but yet he felt that stirring to have to go. So Mike, this is, so SLU, this is our 25th anniversary, but we weren't able to, to have our big 25th anniversary. So we're not real sure when we're having our official 25th anniversary. Big party. I want, coming, you, to, whenever want it is. you to be part of it, yeah. but you, the same for you. This is your 10th uh, yeah. anniversary and y'all have had to celebrate uh, at a Cracker Barrel in Colorado Springs. I mean, yeah, right. yeah. we're actually, uh, yeah, we haven't even celebrated really. I mean, we just did a, a one, you know, a one little newsletter to tell the world, you know, but it's been the wildest year, hasn't it, Jay? I mean, just crazy, mm -hmm. you know. How do you, what, how, what phrase would you use to describe, Mike, 2020? Man, um, I thought of the term bad acid trip, but from my background, yes. you know, this yeah. is like a bad acid trip. You yeah, know, it but, is uh, Groundhog Day. We're every day, Groundhog day in, the, in the same experience. I do think, I do think this is honestly, Jay, I believe this is the greatest opportunity for the North American church, what we've just been through, mm -hmm. because it's allowed us to reset the table. You know, if you're, if you're a believer in, in America right now, and you're attending a church physically or digitally, you have self-selected and said, I'm in. And I think cultural Christianity in America has held us back, mm. right? And now the church in America has an opportunity to take all the people who are actually coming and all the people who are saying, I'm with you online and go, we're going to multiply disciples right here. And I think it's one of the greatest opportunities for the church to reset the table and go from now on, this is how we're doing ministry. It's going to be in the context of relationships. It's going to be with a view to multiplication. It's going to be a view with a culture shift, you know, a change of the culture. This has been one of, one of my great wrestling matches has been, we're seeing people 
make decisions and baptize, but we're not seeing the culture change, mm. right? And here we are now, a year into this coronavirus, and our churches have had to minimize who can come, and our folks are coming on digitally or the small number of people that can attend physically. But those people are now the new church, right? Mm. They're the ones that have self-selected and said, we're, we're in, we're with you. So let's take them on a journey to multiplication. Well, what a great, what a great word, Mike. You were a a part of when we got the, the burden uh, to raise up leaders in the Middle East. 100%. Uh, And, you know, so I was one of those that so strong for Israel. We got to stand with Israel. If we don't, God will bless us if we bless Israel. And, but my, a line I used everywhere I went, it was just natural for me was, you know, I'm, yeah, I'm a Christian, but I'm not a Christian because my granddad was a preacher or, you know, I was baptized as a baby. You know, we go to church and, uh, you know, in, in many churches have confirmation. So you go to church and, you know, first time and you get waters thrown at you and then you get married in church, you get rice thrown at you. And then when it's all over, you have the funeral and it's used. So you're getting dirt thrown. So a lot of people are literally at church. Somebody's always throwing something at them, but I'm not, I'm not a Christian because of an an uncle or a granddad or a father. I'm a devoted, passionate follower of Jesus. And I, I started using that phrases, but that phrase, but you know, and they understood what that meant, but I'm telling you what you just described is, is that phrase in a nut that, if you're going to be a follower of Jesus, and especially whether it's in England or Europe or the, these United States, uh, we've got to become devoted, passionate followers of Jesus. Now, Mike, I want to get right Amen. to the heart here of this incredible ministry. The strategy was it started, you took a group of, I think, 200 plus, I think uh, my memory is right, or a, a pretty significant group to England for a mission for a mission trip, right? Is that yeah. kind of your first yeah, big? So, yeah, we did a we did a one big event called Anyone, Anyone. It was Northeast One, so the play on words is that anyone can come to Christ, oh, but right. anyone can be a part. But um, so that was in 2006. Um, and again, it was an event, it was amazing. Um, you know, we had loads of impact locally and we had loads of impact on the people that went to serve, which I think happens every time we have a missions experience. You know, the, the impact locally is real, but the impact on the individual is so palpable and real as well. Life changing. Um, and so but it was an event. And then kind of it, we kind of went dormant and we just kept doing one off mission trips. But when we really felt compelled to move, the game kind of changed because it was no longer this one experience, but it was come join us, come move. You know, we basically, the strategy, Jay, was if you're 18 to 25 and you and you love Jesus and you can build relationships, then we can use you. So come do a summer, come do a year, come do a season. And that's really how we built the vision. Now, you know this because of your time in Europe, um, in all the investment you've made both, you know, in 301 and all those things that you've done across the pond, but the church in in the UK and Europe is under-resourced, meaning they might have one minister if they have a vicar 
or they, they certainly don't have a youth worker or a kids minister. They're just under-resourced. So because of our heartbeat for youth ministry, our dream was, man, I'm, I want to find 18 to 25-year-olds who can help us reinvigorate, re-reach a new generation. And basically, so our deal was we went to local churches in England and said, you know, could you use a youth worker? They're not qualified. They're not professional, but they love Jesus. We're going to train them up and we'll give them to you. And together we'll start reaching a new generation. So that's really, that's how UKUSA was built. It started as one event and then it turned quickly into come join us as we moved over there. And we started resourcing the local church with guys and gals who, you know, quote, weren't professional youth pastors, but neither was I when I was 19 and working with youth, you know? And so we basically empowered this 18 to 25 year old crowd to become youth workers in a foreign context. So that's really the the ethos of who we are. The church received help. I mean, they, did they welcome it? Were they, Oh yeah. you know, was there some early adopters like with most things? And then because, because several took a chance and did it and then the fruit and then other, other pastors begin to go, well, wait a minute. I need, we need that. You know, exactly. With anytime you risk, people kind of look at you for a minute and go, I'm not sure that's going to work. And then when it starts to work and you start to see some benefit, they're like, Hey, I want some of that. Right. So that's really what happened. And at one point, obviously this year, we're down to about 20 people living over there, but, um, you know, we had 30 and 40 youth workers serving in multiple cities simultaneously at one point, not too long ago. So, um, yeah, so that's a dream. We need more people. That's really the, the bottom, the bottom line is, you know, we pray this laborer's prayer every day at 1002, you know, the Luke 102 prayer. Right. Uh, when Jesus said, you know, pray to the Lord of the harvest that he'd send forth laborers in the harvest field. My alarm goes off every day at 1002. God, give us more people. And, you know, that's really the dream, you know, so that's, that's the heartbeat right now. Nobody can get into Europe. Uh, no, that's for sure. Visa, but you need the jaws of life to get in right now. <laughs> exactly. But that door, we know uh, the, it's going to open. Paul, Paul said it well: be instant in season and out of season. Yeah. Right. And you know that word is the same word we get the word opportunity. You know, one of the most fascinating things for me was trying. You know, because of my dyslexia and ADDDDDD, I have to really learn what words mean. It mm. helps me connect all the dots. And, you know, so it says when Jesus was tempted, Satan departed from him for a season in uh, one of the gospels. But then one of the other gospels says Satan departed from Jesus. You remember the three temptations that he resisted with scripture, but he goes, and then it says Satan departed for a more opportune time. And the word translated season is the same word translated opportunity. Mm. And so when the Bible says be instant, Paul said it. I mean, he was in prison in his last days uh, about to lose his life and obedience. He said, we got to be faithful in season and out of season. So there's going to be days when the wind is blowing and it's a great opportunity. Remember that great Mm. spiritual hymn by Jerry Reed, when you're hot, you're hot, when you're not, you're not, you know, but anyway, I I kept trying to make that in the hymnal, but nobody, but but when you're there's those moments and you've experienced them when man everything you're you're doing is working 
you know, yeah. and there's a wind blowing and it's exciting and it's refreshing. But there are other times you're just as faithful, working just as hard, and there's not a, a hint of wind. You're almost in, you know, running in place. Sometimes it feels like you're running in mud, you know, that analogy. Yeah. And then, of course, there's times, and I think this has been one of those 2020, where the wind is like a hurricane or, a, you know, a tsunami almost sweeping you off course and, and blowing you, you know, way away from what your goal is, what that port is. So uh, that's why we got to be faithful in season and out of season. Yeah, that's good. I know, I know that's, you're living that. And mm -hmm. so uh, it's amazing the, the students that have gone, it's amazing those that have gotten that experience. Praise God for the fruit, you know, the word of God still uh, changes lives and can change. Mm -hmm. And so I'm praying with you that we can pay a debt back to those that invested in us. Yeah. And, uh, by doing so now also you've you're wearing another hat with europe as well now that's a whole other you know we've got great britain and yep. that's a, you know that's a, a significant challenge that's enough to say grace over great you know mm. trying, great britain to serve all the various churches uh over there but now also tell us about this new yeah. relationship you have yeah about two and a half three years ago greater europe mission approached me and said you know, we've seen this resurgence of young leaders coming to serve. Will you um, take on this role of mobilization um, and help us do that across the continent? And so I've taken on this role with Greater Europe Mission um, to, you know, cast vision, not just for the United Kingdom. We do that all the time as well, um, continuously. But now also, you know, to, to come alongside, you know, we have 425 missionaries serving in 26 nations across the continent of Europe. Um, wow. You know, we, we, we've talked briefly about England. England is less than 3% that would profess to know Christ personally, which is so hard for you and me to wrap, wrap our heads Good. around because, yeah. because at one point it was the brightest candle that burned for the gospel and sent missionaries all over the world. And like you said in the introduction, just great thinkers, great theologians, great hymn writers, you know, this, the ethos of who we were as a nation or are as a nation was kind of birthed out of these great spiritual men and women from the UK. Well, Europe is, is worse. You know, the continent of Europe is under 2%. Um, some parts of the continent of Europe are under 1%. So missiologists would, would declare that as an unreached people group, you know, and then you, you take the layer of, of refugees who flooded in from, you know, Syria and, and Iraq and Iran and Northern Africa. And you've got this pool, what I, you know, I describe as a opportunity, you know, for awakening, you know, because you've got the indigenous European, but now you've got these, you know, millions of refugees, uh, most of whom are coming from an Islamic nation. Um, and so you've got this incredible opportunity. So all that to say, part of my new hat is uh, mobilizing people to serve, uh, you know, take up the call to go give their life away on the continent of Europe as well. So Mike, I wrote down a couple questions and I want to make sure I can get your thoughts on it. Uh, what are the issues that teenagers in England are wrestling with? Are they the very same as we have here? Are they different shades and flavors of the same issues? Uh, we know young people are young people and we know, yeah. 
Western uh, culture. We, you know, we've had the British invasion, so they've had yeah. influence on our music and fashion sure. and and movies, etc. But it's also what happens in the United States flows everywhere. Yeah. So, but how do you describe helping someone understand what are the unique issues that you have to address in in England and Europe? Yeah, I think the the practical things of youth ministry would flow both directions, both continents. Um, and and the, the issues that teenagers are facing through adolescence are gonna be the same, uh, especially in a westernized culture like England or, or the continent of Europe. Uh, but I think that the default setting is different. The default setting in Europe is there is no God. And still in America, I think there is a default setting that God is real or there is an existence of God. Now, I think we're first generation post-Christian culture arriving in America, whereas I think Europe is multiple generations of post-Christian culture. I think World War II had a huge impact on that. And then liberal theology on the heels of World War II had a huge impact on the post-Christian, post-modern mind of Europe. And so I think the issues of the Western teenager in Europe are the same but the layer that's different is they, they would not believe in an existence of God. There would be an edge to their belief in that kind of an angst, if you will. Um, and, you know, I mean, I think those factors make it really, really difficult to reach them for Christ because you have to start somewhere where we're not comfortable. Right. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's way down the road relationally before, like you described earlier, that you have you have the opportunity to press the gospel in. So that those those challenges are the same. I think adolescence in a Western culture is the same. Just the difference in Europe is the lostness, the post-Christian culture. Man. Well, thank you for that insight. One last question. You ready? I know. Yeah. You know, who knows what time zone you're, you know, yeah. I, I, I want to go welcome back to America, but you're in color, you know, but anyway, so, um, but in a world of celebrity Christian leaders, and you know what I mean by that, in a world where there is, oh, you know, but uh, what does selfless, selfless leadership look like? What does servant leadership look like to you, you know, and you know what I mean, we've got some larger than life uh, individuals, and they're very charismatic, and their personality, and, and their, and their success, and you know, I mean, it's, it's larger than life, but what does uh, servant leadership look like in this world and age of celebrity? Yeah, man, we could spend a whole podcast on this, Jay. I think, I think servant leadership I mean, you know, one of the phrases of SLU is leadership begins at the feet of Jesus. And then, you know, we would we would lay Christ's example before us as 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 leaders. You know, he he laid his life down. You know, the son of man did not come to be served, but to serve and gave his life as a ransom for many. And then he modeled that in the way he did life with his followers. Like, I mean, John 13, he, he took up the basin and the towel. And so 
to me, this servant leadership, and it and really is impactful in, in working with teenagers, is um, you come with an agenda of, I'm here to serve. I'm here. It's not about me. It's not about what I think or, or any of those things. It's, it's coming to serve. And so it's coming alongside. I think some of those key things would be creating a culture of honor. So as I come as a servant leader, I'm coming, I'm coming in an arena where you are and I'm creating a culture of honor, meaning that I, I don't know where you're coming from, but whatever it is, you're created in the image of God and I'm going to honor you. So when we start dealing with young people who don't believe what we believe in, then we have to have that culture of honor first with them. And, that, and part of that to me is coming as a servant leader, um, not with an agenda, but I'm coming relationally and I'm going to honor you. Um, I think just the spirit of kindness um, is huge when we come with this servant heart, you know, this tenderness about who we are um, and how we relate to people. Um, those would be a couple of key things I would say, no, I just not it. coming with, not coming with an agenda, but coming to serve is just a different model. And sometimes even without meaning to our personalities in the United, you know, we come across as brash and loud, and, yeah. you know, and, you know, Mike, even still to this day, I mean, we, we've been able, we, we try to, you know, put students in world-class hotels and treat them like adults and get them places. But most hotels, most airlines, they don't want youth groups <laughs> yeah. because they're loud. They talk. They don't care about anybody else trying to sleep or business people, you know, hotel, you know right. what goes on in these hotels. So I think there's something about us raising up a generation of young people that learn, you know, we, we've got to serve and we're here to help. And uh, we don't have all the answers. Uh, you know, we're not always right, but we're never in doubt. It seems like over right, here, right. You know, we're, we're a confident bunch. Uh, yeah. Some things have happened in our country that probably were not as cocky as we were, yeah. that we got all the answers here. Mm. But I do think together we can solve those. And, and, and you've certainly demonstrated that. And yeah, I'm just absolutely. so grateful for your ministry, the vision you have. Uh, Mike, you'll be able to say, I've not been disobedient to the heavenly vision. That's right. And, uh, and in the next years are going to be, you know, we're at a, a stage of life where it'd be nice to be able to kind of coast a little bit. But I feel like the, the great challenge is still ahead. Amen. I believe yeah. that for sure. We got too much work to do, Jay. That's for sure, man. I'm, I want to run to the battle, you know, like David did. He ran with enthusiasm and uh, to get to the front line and take lunch to his brothers and uh, that's right. see what was going on. So I want to be that guy that's running and uh, instead of the one running away or trying to get out of, uh, you know, commitment and opportunities. Yeah. Well, Mike Taylor, God bless your ministry, the UK, oh, USA ministries and the European uh, ministry. Uh, we're going to put your information up. So uh, both on the Great. screen and uh, audio, you know, for the audio broadcast so that folks will know how to get in touch and man, Mike, just keep soaring, buddy. Keep sowing and keep soaring. Uh, eagles never settle. You know, I learned this in the mother country. An eagle will never settle for a sparrow's nest. And that doesn't mean a great big large mansion, but that just means eagles don't settle. Yeah. So Amen. 
And I love well, that image of what we should do. So God yeah. bless you. Well, Jay, thank you. And man. your family. And, you know, I, you know, we shared earlier, you know, you, you've been such a huge part of our personal story and man, I'm just grateful for you. Grateful for your ministry. Uh, grateful for your consistency too. You know, you talk about leaders and, and greatness, but the, the, the consistency of your life has been such a blessing to so many. So really, really thankful for you, man. Well, well thank you for that, buddy. God bless you. This is, there's always a way. And we've heard from somebody that's living that and believing that. And uh, even with this bad acid trip that we've just gone through 2020, uh, there's always a way. Thank you, Mike Taylor. And thank you for listening to There's Always a Way with Dr. Jay Strack. If you enjoyed today's episode, share it with a friend by taking a screenshot and posting it to your story or tagging us on Instagram or Twitter at the letter jstrack007. If you haven't yet, we'd love for you to rate and review the podcast. Because of you, others are able to be encouraged and equipped by these incredible episodes.